Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name and invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Our, our text verse will be the last, the last verse in this, in this chapter, verse 58. And that verse says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. A letter here written to the Corinthian church, and he has greetings in uh, different places where he addresses these people. And here at the end of this uh, chapter, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This morning I want to think about three things especially from this, from this verse. And the first is, uh, what are we to be steadfast and unmovable about that he calls the Corinthians to, that he calls us to, to be steadfast and unmovable. And then what is the work of the Lord? What does that include? The work of the Lord that we're to be always abounding in. And how do we abound in it? Now that's, those are some pretty ambitious goals, but we'll, we'll work at them here this morning. First thinking about being steadfast and unmovable. Steadfast comes from stayed fast, S-T-A-Y-E-D. Stayed fast or made fast, something that is secured. We sing the song, Stayed Upon Jehovah, Hearts Are Fully Blessed, Finding As He Promised, Perfect Peace and Rest. That's the stayed that fits with steadfast. So it is, it is uh, being constant and firm and resolute, not wavering, not fickle, uh, firmly fixed in place. In James it says about prayer and asking for wisdom to ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable. He is not steadfast. So if something is steadfast and firmly fixed, then it won't be quickly moved when, when it's assaulted by forces of whatever kind forces of life. We won't be knocked off course. 
and, uh, and shaken loose. And Paul wanted the Corinthians to be steadfast and unmovable. Well, what did he uh, want them, what did he want us to be steadfast about? And you notice that the verse begins, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. So let's look at uh, what was given before as the basis for this call to steadfastness and unmovableness. Now we know that chapter 15 is the great chapter on the resurrection. And uh, let's want to notice a few things here in this chapter. And we'll begin, I'd like to read the first eight verses of chapter 15. It's a good break from what, uh, what came before. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that He was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that He was seen of James, then of all the apostles, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. In the, in the first verse, I declare to you the gospel. That's part of the picture. The gospel that he preached and that the Corinthians received and wherein you stand. And you were saved by this gospel if you hold fast to that message, which if you don't hold fast to it, you'll have believed in vain. So I think it's becoming clear here to us that Paul wants us to be steadfast and unmovable in the gospel. And he's already referring here to standing and holding, keep, if you keep the message, hold fast the message. He's already emphasizing that. And in, in verses three and four, he tells us that the gospel, which is the good news, is this, that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. That's, that's where our salvation comes from. A Savior offered, buried, resurrected. And there's ample evidence, and he just reviewed a little, that after his resurrection, Peter saw him, the twelve saw him, five hundred saw him at once, James saw him, all the apostles saw him, and last of all, me, Paul, the least apostle. On the road to Damascus, Paul met Jesus too 
and he joined a group of firsthand witnesses of the resurrection. And he knew, he knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Savior, that Jesus was alive. And what a difference it made in what he thought of Jesus. And remember how he was so vicious uh, against the Christians and those of the way. And he talks here in verse uh, 9 how he persecuted the church of God. What a different attitude he had about Jesus. But now he knows he knew who Jesus was. And it made a difference in how he saw Jesus. It made the, the difference of life and death in his own life. And then he goes on to uh, develop this, how critical the, uh, the resurrection is to, to salvation. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there's no resurrection, there's no forgiveness, he says, and there's no hope for us or for anyone, only misery. So Jesus didn't give his life like like a, like a soldier that I read about who threw, his, threw himself on a hand grenade that got tossed into the middle of where he and some other soldiers were positioned. And he just leaped on the hand grenade before it blew up and it killed him. And, uh, but it's not like that that Jesus gave his life. This soldier died a hero to his comrades and he was admired and appreciated but he was dead. He was no longer able to, to serve his friends. But Jesus rose from the dead and is serving us yet today, defeating the power of sin and death, which is a consequence of sin. And he ministers on our behalf as a mediator, as a high priest interceding for us. So if I believe in Jesus and put my faith in Jesus, there's forgiveness for sin. There's victory. It's possible to live above sin. And if I believe, there is eternal life for me. There's hope for this life. There's hope for the future. That's a wonderfully different life. And that's what uh, the Corinthian Christians found. They found what Paul found in Jesus. And he is saying to them, be steadfast. We're to be steadfast in our believing, in our faith. Every day, I believe in Jesus, crucified, buried, and resurrected. That provides for me forgiveness, deliverance, and victory each day for every challenge, every temptation, every trial, frustration, whatever. Lord, I believe in you. I call on you. Uh, I, I meant to, uh, these are last Sunday's, last Sunday's announcement and last Sunday's verse, but I was, uh, I just noticed again, call upon me, you know, is the, is the, uh, the thought of that verse. And uh, I was reading in a book a, a testimony of a, a minister in a church and how he learned to call upon the Lord and what a difference it made in his life. We call upon the Lord. We believe 
in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to be steadfast and unmovable in that faith and to be abounding in the work of the Lord. So that's what we're to be steadfast in. That's our faith in Jesus Christ. Our belief in the gospel. So what is the work? What is the work of the Lord? After feeding the 5,000, after Jesus worked that miracle, and Jesus was speaking to the crowd that was still following him, many of them had less than pure motives, and they asked him in John 6, what shall we do? What shall we do that we might work the works of God? What, what do we have to do? What are the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That is a work, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Yes, there are, that's, there's more than believing the works of God, we'll touch on this a little more, but uh, include a life, deeds, service that uh, are approved and pleasing to God. But it starts with faith. It comes back to faith, a trust, a relationship in order to know and to do the Father's will. And that doesn't just mean, uh, you know, that God will give me a direction for every step of everything that I do, but that there is a relationship with him. And I believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior who died and was buried and rose again and gives me a new life. And I am his servant. And I am here to do his will. And it begins with faith with believing, with trusting and following. That believing includes obedience. I trust in Him. I surrender to His Lordship. Uh, There's a part B, and that is action. Uh, In James, the second chapter, beginning at verse 20, where, where James is, is uh, addressing this, uh, this issue of faith and works. But wilt thou know, o vain, o vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Abraham obeyed. Abraham followed the Lord that he had faith in. It begins with faith, but true faith brings a life, produces a life. 
that bears fruit, that works. One is, uh, there's, there's different sides of this that we can look at, but one is that it produces a holy life. That's part of the works of God. We're redeemed to a holy life, to good works. Jesus gave himself for us, Titus 2.14, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, committed and eager to do what God is asking of us. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, that we should live a life of faith and obedience to Christ. We've been reconstructed uh, when we're converted to live a holy life and to be a good and faithful worker. There are other scriptures we could look at, but that's, that's an important part of, of uh, doing the works, of uh, the work that we're to be abounding in, a holy life. And then there's, it produces kingdom service, service for the kingdom. There's been a lot of that here this morning. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16.10, Timothy and Paul did the work of the Lord. Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I do also. Philippians 2, verse 19, But I trust in the, in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel, doing the work of the Lord. And, and there are other things, uh, other places where we could go to. Uh, people doing the works of the Lord live a holy life, they're doing kingdom service. They're not living selfishly. They're seeking the things which are Christ's for themselves and for others, for their families, for the church, for their neighbors. Whether they're planting, watering, or harvesting, they're doing kingdom service. It produces generous giving. Might be financial. You know, remember how Jesus, how Jesus uh, called attention to the faith and the generosity of that widow coming into the temple with her little bit. She gave all that she had in Luke 21. And in 2 Corinthians 8, where Paul writes about these Thessalonians who gave to the church, gave more than they could afford. They gave sacrificially, very seriously sacrificially. 
But notice they gave themselves first to God, it says in chapter 8. And that in faith, they gave themselves to God. They were doing the works of God. Paul, when he writes about, when he wrote about uh, spending and being spent himself, his life, his time, it was in service. So that's, uh, it produces that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, mind and attitude. And it produces uh, compassionate acts of kindness. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. It's the, the heart of religion. It's, it's, he wasn't giving there some formula for worship services, but a service, a, a heart that comes from true worship. So, so far we're seeing, and there are other things that could be added to what we've mentioned here. We've talked about holiness. We've talked about kingdom service. We touched on giving and doing acts of kindness for needy people. What about milking cows? Or what about building a house or planting a garden? Uh, are many of us in the wrong work? Should we be changing courses or could that also be part of the work of the Lord? Well, certainly if God would make it clear that he would call us from building to going into full-time mission work somewhere, we would want to drop our job that we're doing now and go do that. Certainly we'd want to do that. But for a lot of us, it, it may be not a job change, but a, a change of focus. If we haven't seen our everyday work as part of God's work for us. If we focus on, if our focus is on Christ and the kingdom, and suddenly, certainly that affects our priorities. It affects what we choose to do and, and our priorities of time and budget and so on. But we're to do everything as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart and doing it for the sake of Christ and it's uh, pure and honest, good works. You read about that in First Peter 2. And all the things that we do, if they are from a heart of faith, believing in the Savior, following the Savior, serving the Savior, So our job, our everyday job, earning our living kind of job is part of our mission. It comes back to, to uh, faith.
in our relationship with God. How do we abound? Well, let me add first that it is even necessary for... uh, Well, I'll come to that a little later if I don't forget. How do we abound? Let's think about that a little bit. Abounding. To have something in great quantity is what a dictionary would tell us. To be copiously supplied, I saw in one dictionary. To abound with provisions or to abound in good things. So this would indicate that our work, that that there's an abundance uh, about our work. We're abounding in good works. And how do we abound? Before we abound in the work of the Lord, we must abound in life with the Lord. That is why uh, he said, be steadfast and unmovable. And we talked about um, what we were to be steadfast and unmovable in, about our faith in Jesus Christ, then we, if we abound in our faith, in our relationship with Christ, then we can abound in the work of the Lord. And you know, it says here, always abounding. Are we always steadfast and unmovable? If we're really steadfast and unmovable, then we'll probably always be, won't we? But sometimes our steadfastness can, and I've had it happen, sometimes our steadfastness can get a little wobbly and a little bit loose. You know, need to tighten some bolts, tighten some ropes, some ties, something. Needs a little checking over and tightening. Be ye steadfast and unmovable in your faith. The work of the Lord, you know, it's possible that we can be convinced about the importance of mission work. And I appreciated the prayer requests, the reminder of mission work abroad and at home and the number of things that our church even is involved in. And we can be convinced about those things and do this and that and uh, still really miss, actually miss what the meaning is of abounding in the work of the Lord. And I was reminded of this, uh, this is what I was getting ready to head to a few minutes ago, of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, in uh, chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What a shocker. They were doing good things. Things that we would say, um, we could even imagine them being the works of the Lord. But you know what the difference is here is that they were not living in faith, serving in faith, and um, were not holding steadfast to that. They were doing the work, the works. They were doing things that could even be recognized maybe by their people working beside them by uh, others as good works. But... You know, we're not, uh, our we and our work is not acceptable to God unless it is uh, from a heart of faith and a heart of devotion to God. Always abounding, always abounding. We could look at scriptures like Philippians 4, 17. Not because I desire a gift, I'm breaking into a middle of thought, but catch this. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Colossians 2.7 Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Your labor is not in vain. In the Lord. In the Lord. In faith. We're in the Lord. And our labor is not in vain. And it, it varies. Our labor, our work of God in, this, in terms of the things that we do and the opportunities that we have and that He brings to us uh, may vary widely. And... Maybe sometimes we can feel that we're hardly getting anything done. Well, maybe we're not. Maybe we need to look at that. Maybe there's a lack of zeal, but maybe it's the opportunities and abilities and whatever we have, all that God asks for an abounding worker is faith in Him and faithfulness and being steadfast. And you know, when I was thinking of this, and I don't often... uh, I don't want to, you know, well, I thought about Esther Glick back here on the back bench. And I would see her as a a sister of faith. And she prays. And she brings uh, people's needs and people's souls in prayer to God, concerns that she has. Sometimes she has opportunities to, uh, to talk to people. And she'll, uh, I've been surprised at some of the things she has told people, just, you know, from her heart to tell them something of a concern that she has about their life. And God bless Esther. And God bless her, her faithfulness and her abounding in the work of the Lord. But I'm just saying that, that we just serve where we are and with the opportunities we have, and um, we want to 
We want to abound in our faith. We want to steadfastly hold to it and be unmovable in it and growing in it. Then we can abound in the work of the Lord. For his glory and for the benefit of the kingdom. May God bless us. May God bless me. I need, I need this message. Shall we have a closing song?